Okay. Uh, hi, Sai. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Hi, man. Thank you. Thank you for the Um. All right. So today we will be discussing. Uh, I'm really happy uh, that you know um, you were able to take the time. I mean, I know we were going back and forth with the uh, with the dates and everything. Uh, but I'm really happy that we could, uh, uh, you know, we uh, we are able to take some time to discuss ResNet. Uh, so ResNet, uh, let me just maybe set the ground, uh, or let me just start the, uh, let me just get the ball rolling. Uh, so ResNet, uh, definitely one of the most uh, important papers in deep learning, I think, at least uh, in my opinion. Uh, I think when it came, I think when it came out first, uh, you know, when it came out in 2015, it won. Uh, I think. I think it won ImageNet uh, image recognition. Then I think it won detection. I think also it won localization. Then I think it also won COCO detection and COCO segmentation. So really important paper, and uh, yeah, I'm very happy that uh, you know you could take the time as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so um, where do you want to begin, uh, Sai? Uh, should we talk about um, the skip connection, or do you want to talk about um, you know the architecture? Uh, how do you want to take this forward? Uh, probably, I mean, I'll just give a brief about. See, this paper is a like this is a very influential paper, as I said. Uh, but also, it's a very well written and very well researched paper. Like this paper, according to me, should stand as a uh, you know guideline for all researchers. Like how should you do research on a particular topic? Like the way they present their arguments, the way they explain the uh, whatever they assume, and then how they come to a conclusion and how to prove their conclusions. So the way it's written, the way it's presented, it's a very good uh, paper indeed. So maybe we can just uh, discuss right, the right. thought process about how the authors came up with this idea and. How did they validate all the things that they claimed and they thought would work, and how it uh, genuinely worked worked out for them? So yeah, maybe probably we'll start with that, and then uh, you can ask any other questions you have or anything else that you want. Sure, to sure, sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sure. So yeah, Definitely. like uh, okay. So before starting out, just a small point that uh, whatever I'm going to say are my understandings and my uh, intuitions that I developed from reading the original paper and few other resources online. So like there will be few points where you know uh, you or the audience may agree or uh, they may disagree. So like I'm happy to hear uh, any uh, points where people disagree with me and they think uh, you know the this is not the right way of thinking or something like that. So this is solely my uh, interpretation of the paper. That's what I'm going to present uh, in whatever I'm going to speak. So, right, yeah, right. And I, I think that also goes, that, that also, I think, uh, goes with me as well. I mean, if there's anybody listening and, you know, if they feel uh, that something that I have said may be completely wrong and, you know, this guy is really talking nonsense, you know, I, I want to apologize in advance. And, so, um, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe uh, maybe people can do their own research as well. Maybe people can also double check all that we've said, and uh, they can draw their own conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, uh, in my case and also in you, uh, your case, we are happy to hear any feedbacks, right? Uh, on whatever we speak. So people can definitely come definitely. back and say, uh, "This is where uh, I feel this should be the thing." Yeah, we are happy to hear all that. 
okay so right so let's get started yeah so uh, first of all like this paper came around 2015 when alexnet and many other variants of the alexnet kind of architectures had come up so alexnet started the uh, field i mean the explosion in the field of uh, deep learning using neural networks deep neural networks and then people were just trying to you know uh, so alexnet left with the uh, with the point that they could go up to 11 layers deeper but uh, if we go even more deeper then it's uh, you know better so the restriction or the constraints that alexnet people had was hardware and uh, uh, the the compute resources so they they opened the ground for other research, uh, researchers as to like if they can uh, prepare a more deeper architecture and go with training it they might get uh, better accuracies on the then very popular image recognition challenge the image net classification challenge so since then lot of papers came out uh, like vgg and other papers which were trying to go deeper and deeper than the alexnet and uh, trying to improve the uh, uh, accuracy they were able to go to certain depth and they were able to improve the accuracy but then even with vgg they were rest- i mean the performance saturated uh, at a particular depth so in vgg the depth they could reach was around 19 layers and then they couldn't go more like it's stated in the paper itself that their accuracy saturated at that level so there were many experiments and that's where uh, authors of this paper start their argument that even they tried to experiment with Uh, deeper architectures like they tried to stack up more layers that is what was the convention till now like since alexnet people were just trying to stack up more and more convolutional layers and just trying to make the network deeper enough and trying to achieve better accuracies but what was what the authors in this paper actually noticed is that when they stack more and more layers like they go beyond 20 layers or 30 layers or 50 layers the accuracy is saturating then it's going up which might be attributed as some form of uh, overfitting uh, like the accuracy saturates till the point and then it rises but the authors in this paper saw that the trend is with both training accuracy and validation accuracy so in overfitting you train well but the validation accuracy starts rising after a certain point but uh with deeper networks by just stacking up layers the training error was also going up which was very you know unconventional and that was not uh, generally accepted i mean not expected sorry so you mean the validation accuracy was also going up yeah yeah no no the training error so the conventional thought process was that training accuracy should go down as we go deeper right so let's say with 19 layers if we are getting a, a x accuracy with 30 layers or 50 layers the training accuracy should at least go down right i hope you mean train, training accuracy should go down or training loss should go down training accuracy should improve okay it should improve okay okay yeah sorry yeah yeah so loss should go down uh, accuracy should improve but then uh, what was happening is uh, as people were going deeper by just stacking up layers the accuracy wasn't improving 
it was rather reducing with even deeper levels that is for the training accuracy and as well as for the validation accuracy so this was one unexpected behavior and uh, so the thought behind this is that when we go deeper the network is not able to learn properly right that is what the authors in this paper are uh, i mean that is their first claim that simply stacking up players is not the way uh, of making networks deeper it is not uh, that simple by just stacking this there are there are no complications to it so now to validate this what they do is what they propose first is let's say we have a shallower network let's say 20 layer network and uh, suppose we want to build a deeper network uh, by taking this shallow network and appending more layers to it let's say we append 30 more layers to the uh, shallow network which learn only the identity mapping like whatever is learned in the 20 layers we propagate the same uh, identity mapping through the next 30 layers so that's how we make the 50 layer network okay that is the alternative they came so maybe you can tell us uh, what is an identity mapping yeah identity mapping is whatever is the input the same is the output like the uh, layer doesn't uh, do any manipulation with the input so it's as as is the input uh, it just passes through the network i mean if x is the input okay. the output okay. is also x so yeah uh, so okay. so considering this kind of architecture it should definitely be doing uh, as as the shallower network did right because the shallower network has learned something and the further layers are just identity mapping we are not doing any change to the learning so the deeper network should have a similar training uh, accuracy i mean the same training accuracy as the shallower network right that is what is right, uh, right. that is what is expected but to the surprise the authors noticed that the deeper network was performing uh, worse than the shallower network I mean, uh, so the problem was with the 30 layers that uh, they expected to learn the identity mapping were not even able to learn the identity mapping properly. So even learning the identity mapping was difficult for the, uh, you know, the later layers. So that is what the, that is the main problem the paper encounters and then they come up with a solution to it, like how to overcome this problem now why this problem occurs in these deeper networks is that uh, by the time this paper came out there were a lot of training strategies that came out like let's say uh, various kinds of normalization batch norm was uh, very actively used in all the papers uh, by the time and there were a lot of other things like learning rate scheduling and all that thing. so what these techniques were doing uh, also there were uh, l2 regularizations used to you know at, at those times uh, overfitting was a major issue so people were uh, you know uh, extensively uh, regularizing the loss functions with the regularizing the networks so what these were resulting to is uh, through all these regularizations we are forcing the activations to go towards zero right even the initializations the weights and biases that are initialized in the initializations for the layers they are around the zero uh, they are initialized around zero like we take a gaussian distribution which is centered at zero and we initialize the weights from that distribution 
so all in all we are trying to push the uh, activation more towards zero right so what this equivalently means is that we are trying to uh, make the network learn as less as possible i mean the default value towards which the network is progressing is zero value right that's why mm-hmm. each layer each layer is just learning so each layer is just uh, very good at learning zero or uh, values very close to zero that's why identity mm-hmm. uh, learning identity was a very difficult task because if you see what an identity filter is like let's say in a 3 cross 3 filter the identity will be one in the center and uh, zero uh, in the uh, boundary uh, places so this kind of uh, learning this kind of a kernel was very difficult for uh, such kinds of networks because the default was uh, somehow being pushed towards zero so what this paper tried to do is um, i mean the identity function is what is the most basic thing that uh, every network should be able to learn right at least the network should be able to replicate whatever is the input uh, to the layer right so they propose like the authors in the paper propose that what if we can do something so that we can just give the identity input uh, as we are giving the identity input towards the output we also give that identity along with that encourage the network to learn something more over the identity mapping i hope you are getting what i'm saying right 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 mm-hmm. so uh, let's say we give x as the input to the network now in the output uh, we want that it should at least learn x i mean it should at least be able to replicate x along with that if it learns something more over that x value then it's a uh, like very good situation right we are learning more over the input right so, but at least that layer should be able to replicate whatever is the input right so in the uh, vgg kind of networks this was just an expectation from each layer like we are just passing the input and we are expecting each layer to learn the identity and learn something more over that uh, input layer right so what authors in this paper uh, propose is that why don't we just give the identity mapping explicitly as one of the output and uh, in addition to that uh, we make the layers learn something because we know the layers are learning something that is close to zero right or maybe uh, slightly deviated from zero so if you already have the identity mapping in the output we guarantee that we have the identity mapping and on top of that using the uh, layers we are able to learn something more over the uh, input ident- uh, input right so that way the residual block the concept of that is how the residual block actually works in the resnet and that is basically the uh, idea behind uh, introducing a residual block so what a residual block basically does is that it has a skip connection or a skip layer from the input towards the output and what it does is simply passes the identity mapping explicitly to to the output and now in through the layer the, uh, the input which is passing through the layer uh, in the layers we are able to learn something more 
uh, over the identity mapping and that is what is added to the uh, identity mapping and that becomes the output like the final output of our uh, residual block right so right 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 so whatever is being learned in the uh, residual block is a residual uh, function like it's a uh, uh, let's say we want so uh, initially what we had is we have a layer we give an input and we expect it to learn something let's say the input is x and we are expecting the uh, output to be let's say some f of x okay uh, now the entire f of x was an expectation from the layer like the layer should learn an entire f of x function now what we do is we just give uh, x as it is to the output and we make the layer learn an f of x minus x value so it's a residual value residual value over the input right that's why it's called uh, residual block so it's not learning an entire uh, thing from the input it's learning the residual function over the input and that is getting added to the output there and that is what is getting propagated to the layers now this residual value that each layer learns is a very small value that is distributed around zero so yeah like i mean uh, so that is how a residual block basically works how how this intuitively comes into picture is that at every layer we are learning a little change over the input uh, so now in uh, the network learns small small things at, uh, at each layers and uh, stacking them all together we learn a like a good enough representation with a deeper architecture so let's say we learn a delta x uh, of the input in one layer uh, 50 such layers learn 50 into delta x over the uh, input uh, that is given because at every layer the input is passing as it is so now the uh, effective output from these 50 layers will be x plus 50 into delta rather than something which is not even uh, as good as the x value so yeah that is basically how the residual uh, blocks work and how the entire idea of the resonance is. right oh uh, so maybe uh, you can walk us through um you know what um uh, inside a res block uh, you know what are the operations that are being uh, that are being done? You know, um, yeah. uh, maybe even in a resonance scale. Um, you know, you know how many convolutions, and uh, uh, you know what is the impact of these convolutions, and uh, um, also one more thing maybe you can address is um, so you know while you know while doing skip connections you are passing the x uh, after you know so you have an x and you know it goes through a few con blocks. And you know whatever operations, and you know you get an output. Uh, plus, you have a skip connection of an identity block. Um, so when you say an identity block, you know, are there any changes done to that x when it goes through that skip connection, or are you just passing that x as it is, not making any changes? Um, so maybe you can touch a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, basically, they have uh, experimented with a few. Uh, uh, varieties of uh, residual blocks. So there is a ablation study in the paper where they do experiments with a uh, few. Uh, so basically, a residual block is a uh, is a combination of few convolution layers. In the paper, they have shown two types of residual. They have used two kinds of residual blocks: one with two con layers and one with three con layers. 
so what that means is the identity mapping that we are uh, adding to the output is jumping over either two layers or uh, jumping over three layers so the final output if it's the two layer case the final output will be x plus uh, con output of two and two convolution outputs so that is one variety of uh, rest block and the other is uh, it's skipping over three layers so three con outputs plus x so these are the two varieties now um, so there is a there is a, a study that they have presented in the paper they tried with three varieties of uh, these skip connections one variety is uh, what they do is uh, so when they are passing the uh, so this, these skip connections in the entire uh, ResNet architecture are just simple connections. They don't have any parameters. So one variety of skip connection that they show is they introduce some parameters like they have one one cross one cons. Uh, one variety is they just have one cross one cons wherever the dimension is uh, reducing. So we know, right, when we go deeper in a network, uh, in a convolutional network, the receptive field size keeps reducing, I mean, after some layers. So it, it, it starts getting mm -hmm. half in some layers. So wherever the dimension is reducing by half, they are introducing uh, a one cross one form and a projection matrix in that layer so that the uh, dimensions are handled properly because as we are adding uh, adding the input to the output the input and output should be of same dimension right Other, otherwise we can't add so if we are uh, in the output the dimension is reduced by some value I mean, it's half we should also perform the same uh, operation on the uh, skip uh, skip input skip output that we are uh, passing so that is the second kind of skip connection. And the third variety is uh, what they do is they just, uh, they just, so when we go from let's say 64 channels to 128 channels, uh, what they do is simply append the other 64 channels with zero padding. So they just do zero padding. There is no other uh, learning or no other parameter in that. It's a simple, uh, uh, simple as it is, passing the input and uh, adding the other values with zero. So these are three kinds of uh, identity, uh, identity, I mean the residual uh, blocks that they talk about. And uh, through studies, they say that out of these three varieties, uh, one variety is increasing the parameters one variety is increasing the number of computations while giving a very small uh, effect on the performance of the uh, overall model so the performance improvement is smaller compared to the computational um, uh, computation increase of the number of parameters that are getting increased because of adding these layers so what they do is they finally stick to uh, this this one uh, design where they have simple skip connections with no parameters or no projections and only at places where the dimension is reducing by half they introduce this projection matrix and they are improve they are increasing the dimension using one cross one. 
uh, that doesn't increase a lot of parameters in the model because one cross one is a very simple operation as compared to a three cross three form. It's nine times uh, less than uh, a three cross three form. So that way they are improving, I mean, they are handling the dimensions well as well as you know, uh, not improving the, not increasing the computation health. So, yeah. Right, right. So, also um, staying on the rest block for a uh, for a little longer. So, uh, what about the channels? Say, um, um, you know, you you mentioned that uh, um, uh, there are three con, uh, you know, con operations. Um, so, uh, is there any dimension reduction being uh, that's happening um, while you know in a rest block, or how are they handling the channel information there? Um, see, as I said, so there are two variants that they are seeing in the paper. One is a shallower ResNet model and other is a deeper ResNet model. So let's say ResNet 18 or ResNet 30, 36 or something is, are the four. two, uh, 34, yeah, sorry. So, uh, these two are the shallower ResNet versions and then they have ResNet 50 and ResNet 100 and, uh, ResNet 150. So, in the shallower networks, uh, like as I said, in the rest block, there are two cons, two con layers with a filter size of three cross three. So these layers are, I mean, they have a lot of parameters, but in a shallower network, the number of parameters isn't that large. It is, uh, so they also have a parameter study in the paper where they say that compared to VGG, which has only 11 layers, the number of parameters is huge as compared to an equivalent ResNet uh, architecture, let's say ResNet ETN. It has like around six times lesser parameters than the VGG level model. So um, in the shallower architectures, uh, the rest block is simply two formless and there is no dimension uh, change in that. Only in places where the dimension is going down, as I said, there is a, a layer which what it does is just that's a projection from a high dimension to a low dimension. Let's say, no, sorry, uh, from a low to high dimension. Let's say we are going from um, 64 channels to 128 channels. Then a one plus one con is increasing the number of channels. And let's say uh, we are going from a 512 cross 512 feature map to 256 cross 256. Then they are just uh, using a projection matrix to you know go from that high dimension to low dimension. So that's that's it in the uh, in the shallower uh, ResNet models. Now, when we come to the deeper models, what they do is uh, what they what they propose is that if you use such three cross three uh, cons in the rest block, that might increase the number of parameters a lot, and that might increase the compute a lot because when we go into fifty layers or hundred layers, there will be a lot of parameters. So what they do is they very smartly uh, play with this thing. Uh, they, they introduced the second variant of the rest block where they have three uh, cons in the residual block. Now what they do in this three uh, three con uh, uh, residual block is that uh, it's like a sandwich where uh, the middle layer is a three cross three con and the boundary layers are one cross one cons. So what this one cross one cons are doing is, uh, suppose the output, suppose the input is coming from an upper layer, this this one cross one layer is bringing it down, down to the uh, lower uh, dimension. Let's say uh, 
uh, we are going from 64 channels to 128 channels. Okay. So what they do, uh, what the OnePlus One form does is, it it uh, retains the 64 channels and uh, the three cross three convolution is done on 64 channels. And then the next one cross one form, it just in, uh, increases the channels from 64 to 128. So that way what they do is, if that if there were uh, like following the earlier design, if we had two three cross three cons, then we had to do uh, we had to run the three cross three filter on a on one twenty channels, right? But now what they do is they they just do that operation on sixty four channels and just project it using a one cross one con to the higher uh, dimension, and uh, to deal with the to deal with the uh, Feature map dimension, they can use the same projection projection matrix that we use. So that way, they are you know reducing the number of computations in the deeper networks, and yeah, uh, that results in they have a uh, they have a word in the paper that uh, even the fifty layer and hundred layer networks are uh, have a lot lesser parameters than the VGG nineteen. Excuse me. Um, should we? Oh, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about? Uh, um, so what? Are you reading the paper right now? I mean, do you have the paper on you right now? Yeah, it's open. So, uh, in Figure Three, when they mention, uh, if you look at the thirty-four layer, uh, doesn't it? Um, yeah. so one question is. You see the uh, input that I mean gets that gets skipped after the first seven 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 cross seven con. Yeah. So that yeah. is maintained through the entire architecture, right? Or does that yeah. does that go through any modifications? No, that see there are two kinds of uh, skip connections you can see. One is a block skip connection, and one is a dotted skip connection. So the block skip connections. Are, uh, are in between layers where the activation size is same. There is no change in the activation size and in the input and output sizes. So that's why they are just simply uh, passing the input as it is uh, two layers further and just adding it to the output of the uh, second layer, uh, second layer in front. Now, where you see the dotted uh, skip connection, right? That is where the dimension, I mean, the dimension of the feature map reduces by half and the number of filters in, uh, uh, is doubled. So earlier you see 64 channels, now it's 128 channels. So that is where uh, the thing I said that they use a projection matrix to downscale the feature map size and uh, the dimension is in increased using a one cross one. And again, they maintain the same uh, simple skip connection for three more layers. And then they have a dotted skip connection where they again change the uh, activation size and uh, increase the number of dimensions. So yeah, that's how the architecture goes. And yeah, I mean, one important right, right. thing to note in this is that uh, they are ending, I mean, the final output passes through a average book what average pool does is uh, whatever size of input image you give, let's say uh, 
the final layer output is 7 cross 7 for you, uh, 7 cross 7 cross 512. Or let's say for me, I gave different, uh, let's say I trained on ImageNet and my inputs, uh, output, final layer output sizes are, let's say, uh, 64 cross 64 cross 512. But you trained on CIFAR and your output size is 7 cross 7. So be it 64 or be it 7, finally, after the average pool operation, it averages all the channel uh, values. So we are just left with 512 dimension feature. So whatever be the size of input image, the final uh, final classification layer gets 512 dimension vector. So, yeah. Right. So this is global average pooling you're talking about, right? The average pool is global average pool. Yeah, global average pool. So they use pooling only in the final layer. Uh, yeah, so uh, one thing uh, we didn't uh, discuss is that how they are reducing the dimension, right? Uh, so let's say uh, when they're going from the blue uh, area to the green area, they're going from 64 channels to 128 channels. So the dimension of the feature map is also uh, going down by half, right? So uh, conventionally, like right. all networks uh, were using pooling to do that, but uh, in ResNet, Rather than pooling, they have used convolution itself with the stride pool. Uh, so yeah, that is how they reduce the dimension. I mean, uh, that has some advantages over pooling because in pooling we are simply taking the max value, but uh, using a convolution, we are learning what how to you know reduce the dimension. So that is somewhat more effective than a simple pooling operation. Right, right. Um, so the authors train multiple layers. I mean, they train 34, and I think they train 50, then 152. Um, I think they also train a thousand layer uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. network as well. Uh, do you have any comments on those? Um, anything that yeah. you've noticed? So, so uh, I mean, the so they show experiments. The major experiments they show are on these three things these three architectures that you show in the book that they have shown in the paper, right? So uh, when they take the 34 layer network, they say that, and they also show that the training error is larger than a 18 layer network. And uh, same for more deeper, like a 50 layer uh, simple network, plain network has more training, more training uh, error and uh, lesser training accuracy than a 34 layer model. So when they introduce deep connections, the 50 layer networks accuracy is much better than the 34 layer and 34 layers is much better than the 18 and so on. So yeah, that is one thing they show. And uh, when they go to deeper layers, they see the same trend. Now these deeper layers, uh, they train till 152 layers on ImageNet. Um, higher than that may not be very feasible. Then what they do is they also show experiments on the CIFAR 10 dataset because it's a smaller dataset. So, and uh, on this, they go more deeper. Like as I said, they have used a thousand layer network. Now, interestingly, what they see is that uh, when they train till 152 layers on CIFAR 10, the results are as expected. I mean, the training error is very low training accuracy is very good. Even the validation error is lower and validation accuracy is better. 
but when they go up to 1000 there what happens is uh, again the training error uh, you know goes up compared to the 152 there so training error goes up and no sorry the, the training error doesn't go up the validation error goes up and the validation accuracy reduces compared to the 152 layer method so uh, there they question again that are we again back to the same uh, you know loop that uh, when we go more deeper uh, it again uh, brings back the same problems but then they carefully uh, uh, i mean present this result that the training error is very low I mean, for the thousand layer network the training error is low but it's just that the validation validation performance has uh, degraded so this is what they say is now that uh, now with the thousand layer network we are overfitting this is because of overfitting and this is not the uh, earlier depth problem that uh, the paper addresses so i mean 1000 layer is too much for a small enough data like so so yeah but yeah one uh, nice thing to note in this is that even with the 1000 layer network i think it's a 1200 layer network the number of parameters is comparable i mean is equal to a uh, equal to vgg11 uh, uh, close to vgg11 architecture so that is how effective is a architecture of resnet that thousand layer network has seen uh, number of parameters as the 11 layer vgg network oh the parameters of the thousand layer resnet are equivalent to the parameters yeah. of the VGG 11 layer architecture yeah. right 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 I think that's also one of the reasons why I think people are still using ResNet even in 2021 whereas it's right. very I mean I think VGG even though I think it was very popular when it came out uh, I think nowadays it's, it's gone out of fashion to right. use VGG so you right. know right uh, um, like before ResNet was out Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, sir. Okay. So, uh, before ResNet came out, VGG was the kind of default architecture for all the other tasks, like, uh, let's say, object detection or you know, segmentation. So, papers like RCNN and all had already come out before ResNet. So, RCNN uses a uh, feature extractor network, right? So, the original paper actually uses VGG because ResNet was not out. So in this paper, if you have seen in the um, you know the later sections, I think in the appendix they mentioned that uh, they have experimented with the ResNet architecture on RCNN, and uh, the improvement in performance of the detection model, sorry the uh, yeah the detection model was improved by six percent over a VGG baseline. So. I mean, uh -huh. ResNet just just improved the uh, feature extraction performance of all the I mean all the tasks that were using uh, VGG as the feature extractor were like completely replaced by ResNet, and even now people have been using it. Right. Uh, so we've covered. Uh, I mean, we've covered the the major innovation the Res block. Um, you know, the architecture, uh, the con players, the number of channels that, you know, uh, the the way the number of channels increase um, uh, given multiple layers. 
um have we missed out on anything say uh, have we not spoken about anything that might be relevant to um, anyone listening um yeah see there is one small thing that we might also look at so there is a figure 7 in the paper uh, which shows how the responses of the layers are i mean in a plane network and a uh, residual network so what this figure basically is trying to say is that uh, the authors claim right that uh, resnet in resnet they are passing the input as it is to the output i mean there is a skip connection which is passing the input and they are their res, uh, the network, the layers are learning a residual function so the learning is centered around you know the the response of each layer i mean the activation is a very low value it's not learning something very significant at each layer so that is what they proposed in the earlier sections and through this uh, figure 7 study they validate that thing very well and uh, you can clearly see that uh, the response in of resnet 56 and resnet 110 are very low as compared to the plain 56 network and plain 20 network so what this says is that at each layer i mean the deeper we go in the network the responses are going down which means every layer is learning a very small thing about the input and uh, yeah that is what the claim was when they proposed the idea and that is what is getting validated through the paper so i mean learning very small things at each layer we are propagating the learning through a deeper uh, thing rather than just you know exploding and learning a lot in the beginning and then uh, i mean uh, degrading the learning in the later phase so yeah that's what is kind of discussing this figure and uh, right right um actually I'm, is, uh, yeah yeah go for it no i mean the last thing that they say is that uh, not just on detection the model is also very good in other uh, tasks like they have evaluated on pascal and coco and yeah that is what they say in the very last section section 4.3 that they have a significant improvement in the detection performance also using resnet as a base architecture uh, in case of the so yeah yeah mm-hmm. right so i mean it's been a few years since the resnet came out i think it's been 7 years uh, close to 7 years since the resnet came out um yeah. have you found another resnet i mean is, has there been any other paper or any other architecture that Uh, whose performance has been very comparable uh, people i think densnet came out soon after resnet i think the next year yeah, i think yeah, densnet came out so, uh, so there have been a lot of improvements over resnet i mean the resnet that people are using now is not uh, the same that is that came out i mean this paper there have been a lot of improvements you know in terms of there have been a lot of things like people use different kinds of uh, activations not activation uh, uh normalization strategy so in the original resnet batch norm was the strategy but now people try with uh, many different kinds so uh, there are different activations also people use like expression mishal uh, some activations that came out recently that are doing uh, better than relu so architectures like mobile net use these kinds of things in the paper and so the main idea i think 
uh, that came with this paper is the idea of a residual block, which has been used in many architectures. Like as you said, uh, DenseNet uses residual blocks and also segmentation networks like UNet, uh, etc. use residual blocks. Um, the architecture as such has gone through many improvements and I think recently, not recently, some years back, there was a res, ResNet 9, uh, which also was a winner of the MSNet uh, challenge, I think in 2018 or 19, I don't remember exactly. So, Sorry, did you say ResNet 9? Yeah, ResNet 9. So it's a very oh, okay. small architecture and uh, it's very efficient. Uh, I had seen a lot of people you know, on Twitter sharing about it, but I haven't seen the paper. Uh, but yeah, it's very effective. And uh, yeah, like many networks nowadays use this uh, skip connections, the concept of skip connections. But yeah, the architecture has gone through many significant changes. Right, right. Um, so I think that's all. I think that's all we have for. Uh, I think that's all we have today. Any last, any last words? Say anything you would like to add? Uh, anything? Um, I mean, yeah. So, like this, this is the paper that came out. But uh, there was another paper that came out in around two thousand eighteen. Uh, what it does is there's next stuff. No, no, it's not a ResNet architecture. It's a study. Yeah, I mean, ResNet is also a paper. And uh, recently, uh, last year itself, there was also a, a variant of ResNet, which doesn't do much significant changes to the architecture, but it plays a lot with the training strategies, you know, the augmentations and, uh, uh, yeah, like a few other things that led to very good performance. Uh, the paper I am talking about is. So this paper came out in 2018. It's called Visualizing the Loss Landscape of Neural Networks. So uh, you might have seen, or and you might have definitely seen this figure. So this very, uh, you know, uh, complicated loss function. Smooth land, uh, loss landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, this figure, right, where they show it's very complicated, and then using skip connection makes it a very simple convex function. Uh, very smooth uh, right. uh, so yeah this paper also uh, does some studies on the ResNet and how uh, residual connections are effective is what is very nicely presented in this paper 
So anyone who is more interested to know about uh, how effective the connections are and what exactly they do to the uh, in the optimization scene uh, can have a look at this paper. And yeah, there have been a lot of variants. Right. Uh, you can do fret, press, next, and otherwise mining also. I think these are the latest uh, variants that are being deployed. Yeah, even I had yeah. I mean, Resnext is one of the one of the papers that I remember, uh, which had introduced I think cardinality, just extending the dimensions. Right, right. Uh, right. Besides that, uh, yeah. Right, so. Yeah, apart from that, even I'm not able to uh, recall. Um, yeah. um, all right. Um, Sai, thank you so much for uh, taking the time today uh, and, you know, going uh, going through the resonant paper with me. Uh, uh, thank uh, You know, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, 